America's got money problems, inflation, out-of-control debt and spending, and it's only getting worse. But there's hope. Solving America's money problems, one hour at a time. It's time for Good Money with Tho Bishop. Good morning. This is Good Money. The aforementioned Tho Bishop. This is a product of the Mises Institute, M-I-S-E-S dot org is our site where you can find more content like you will get on this show. Got a great front page up on Mises.org. Um, so let's look at a uh, very interesting political situation in the nation of Argentina, uh, where Javier Malay is kind of a firebrand populist with a strong Austrian economic perspective, a very strong free market perspective. Um, we have a scholar named Daniel Lacalle uh, from Madrid, Spain, uh, who outlines why all the media is clutching their pearls over Malay. They've ignored um, the radicalism of Argentinian socialist and left policies that destroyed that nation. Um, some other good articles uh, about uh, kind of the growing specter of new COVID restrictions and lockdowns, um, the new socialism as a public-private partnership, and some foreign policy material. Um, again, Mises.org is where you can find more content like this. Um, and there was an interesting clip yesterday and I, I think it does a good job of reflecting a lot of the problems that America has right now. Um, you know, a, a, it was a yet another instance of Senate Majority Minority Leader, sorry, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, freezing at the podium for quite a while. Um, ironically, after a, a question about whether or not he was going to run for re-election in 2026 and given the similar issues that we've seen with the commander-in-chief uh, Joe Biden uh, the you know, rapidly decaying Dianne Feinstein um, the much younger though similarly uh, strained John Fetterman. The facade of, I don't know if it's respectability, competency, um, just the illusion of people that can hold a stable position, hold, hold a stable job. That facade is breaking down within Washington. Um, and this is not to take away from the power that the federal government is. And of course, most of these Senate offices are fueled by uh, a mixture of career D.C. creatures, uh, college interns trying to become more often than not D.C. creatures, and of course, a very well-trained army of lobbyists and various 
think tank organizations that really do the, the heavy lifting behind the scenes, doing all these wonderful policies that uh, so enrich our lives. But this mantle, this, this facade, this idea that ultimately we are in some ways uh, governing by an elite of qualified individuals that it is us, the people, that dictate where things are going. I think we are seeing in very public ways the absurdity of this myth. Recently, I uh, had a plane trip up to uh, Boston. We had a medical freedom summit a few weeks ago. Great event. We've got content from that up at the Mises.org website. Uh, some, some great leaders. Peter McCullough, um, you know, one of the most well-published cardiologists in the country who immediately found himself uh, being attacked by all the most powerful medical associations in the country after standing up against the COVID tyranny very early on. Uh, Dr. Aaron Cariotti, who is a uh, psychiatrist and a medical ethicist that got fired from his position at UC Irvine over vaccine issues and criticism of the biomedical security state. Um, some, uh, some, some great, great talks there. But when I was up flying to this event, it was one of these fancy new Delta planes. And some of the perks of the fancy new Delta planes, along with the very nice multicolored lights at the top of the thing, top of the plane, um, was an expanded selection of videos to enjoy in the little TV that they've got in the back of the seat. And one of the offerings was something I've wanted to watch for a while. It's one of the masterclass videos. I did not watch the Paul Krugman one in the economy. Did, did not watch that one. I, I've, I've read enough Paul Krugman to know where that one goes and not interested in a masterclass from uh, the, the guy that uh, is prescribing a fake alien invasion as a way to bolster the economy. Though, given the way that things are going right now, that, that is a lot less of an insane idea than it was when he proposed it in 2011. Uh, but it was a uh, series by the magician's pen and teller. It was a fun, very, very fun uh, little video series. Um, Teller talks, which of course goes, breaks against his stage presence of kind of this mime-like figure and the like. And of course, it just showed sort of basic sleight of hand, right? And they talked about the philosophy of magic and the way that you know it's it's a way of playing off of assumptions that individuals have. Right, so you know, you you make it look like the ball goes into your other hand, but it really stays in the first hand, right? And then you're shocked when you you open your hand, and there's nothing there. Um, you know, you, you use sounds with the with coin magic to kind of make things seem bigger than they are on the right. And the lessons here, while it's great to be able to pull off a few tricks to entertain people, this notion of the power of illusion is very relevant to politics, right? You know, this, this, this kind of gets to the core of sort of the, the, the Machiavellian understanding that power really is the art of misdirection. It is getting you to focus on the individuals people want you to focus on while the real power, you know, the ball is still in the other hand. 
And the problem is, is that the class of people that, that, that still have that ball actually have that power. They are increasingly mediocre, right? We've, we've always had this dynamic of real governing power being behind the scenes, even George Washington administration, right? A lot of the policies that came from that administration were like, it was Hamilton, right? You, you had in, you know, influence from, from Madison. You had all these players behind the scenes. Washington signed up in the forefront, right? This has always been the case throughout human history, but it's the people behind the scenes, in part, responding to the output of our university system. You know, we can talk about you know, general cultural decay, but this illusion of power, um, I think, is creating the tensions. You know, it, it, it's, 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 you can get away with it for, until people recognize that the ball never really left their hand. And I think that's the situation that America finds itself in, where a lot of things that we have taken for granted are not operating the way they were. Now, we can always have crit- criticisms, right? Your tax is bad. Uh, regulation bad, you know, the pothole in your driveway isn't filled right. And so, we, you know, criticizing the government um, and the, the economic consequences thereof is nothing new. But it's another thing to, to, to recognize that there's no interest in your well-being, that their priorities are different. And so on the other side of the break, we are going to be looking at Uh, the financial environment in this country, um, pushing back on the idea that some laws are going to fix it all and try to get back to real merit. Um, So stay tuned on the other side of the break. This is Money Talk 1010. This is the show Good Money. Welcome back to Good Money. I'm your host, Tho Bishop. This is a product of the Mises Institute. We've got a Great deal for Money Talk 1010 listeners. If you like economic commentary like you get on this show and the other great net, uh, shows here on this network, uh, we have a bi-monthly magazine, The Austrian, full of great economic commentary from great scholars from around the world. Uh, best of all, as a Money Talk 1010 listener, this magazine is completely free to your doorstep. If you're interested in checking out The Austrian, you can get your subscription at Mises.org slash magazine. That's M-I-S-E-S dot org slash magazine. And our guest today is Matthew Molman. He's the executive director of the Monument Legacy Donor Advisory Fund and a the president of Monument Ventures. He has written several articles on the current uh, state of financial institutions, some of the, the culture war aspects that J.P. Morgan has dove into, um, as well as written kind of on the, the, the real solutions to the larger DEI and kind of woke capital dynamic. And uh, so very excited to have him on today. Matthew, how are you doing? Uh, beautiful, so um, hope you're doing well and thinking of all of our friends in Tampa and throughout Florida. Hope everyone is doing well uh, after the hurricane. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, I saw that they've, they've got all the bridges cleared up up in the Big Bend area. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible the resilience of, of this state and the people. Um, I'm up here in Panama City. We uh, 
or are still still have the scars from Hurricane Michael from from a while back. And unfortunately, uh, you know, hurricanes are no joke, particularly these days. Um, so, so Matthew, for our audience, uh, can you talk a little bit about about your background? Um, and uh, you know, to talk a little bit about about your work and, and your your larger um, interest in commentary. Absolutely, and thank you for having me on this morning. Uh, my background: I have a law degree for for good or for ill. Uh, I've had a long corporate career, very large firms, very small firms, kind of everything you can do in financial services. Then uh, a couple years ago, I recognized uh, I want to do more. You know, just there's so much homogenization in the investment industry as much as all the players say how different they are uh, and how much they customize to you. Really, you're just getting a lot of the same and you're getting their model, what they want. They're forcing you into what they want, not necessarily what you want. So recognizing that, you know, I wanted to bring different solutions to investors. I broke away from the corporate world to start my own venture uh, a couple of years ago. And really, it's just a platform for investors and their advisors to amplify what they're doing with their portfolio. Uh, part of that also is we created a donor advice fund to help with charitable giving. You know, it's also very um, powerful tax and financial planning tool. And there's several other endeavors that we're involved in. But th that's the foundation of what we started. But then broadly in that, and this is tying into the articles that I've been um, writing recently, I think there's a broader opportunity out there recognizing there's a hunger for people to get how they're investing, how they're using their dollars better aligned with their beliefs and their principles. And that's really where we are today. Absolutely. And one of the things I appreciate, uh, one in particular I've got uh, pulled up here was on Law and Liberty uh, called uh, titled uh, Wishful Thinking on ESG. I'm responding to uh, a, a column by uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. So the the uh, you know one of the, one of the more interesting presidential candidates on the stage right now, and at, at the start of the show I talked about you know the the illusion of where power really lies, and of course in so much of what we get in history books and the like, you know there's always the focus on whoever the the president's in charge. They get you know they they get credit when things go well, they get blamed when things are bad, um, sometimes deserving, sometimes less deserving, and really and and. It seems like increasingly now, you know, but but always at the same time, the, the the real prosperity of the country, the real strength of the country, was not the president figurehead. It was, you know, it, it was the economy in action. It was great entrepreneurs creating technical proge, uh, progress. It was, uh, you know, these, these great men outside of the political sector that were building up real tangible things and building up their communities and creating jobs and creating new technologies. And the like, and it seems increasingly there is a skepticism, you know, that has long been there on the left, but even on the right, that you know the the power that free markets can have, the the power of entrepreneurship, um, is, is being dismissed in favor of pure political action. And you know, your your article on this topic in particular kind of shoots down the idea that the the silver bullet to concerns about ESG. Or, or DEI or, or woke capital or some of these these various different types of this um, you know economic culture war dynamic 
the real solution is providing tangible, successful, meaningful alternatives in the sector. So can you talk a little bit about um, you know, about, about your pushback to some of the proposals that uh, Ramaswamy has proposed. And I think I assume that plays right into uh, to your fund. So one of the amazing things about our country and our economic system is that it continues to generate such prosperity and innovation despite um, our overbearing government, our uh, incredibly suffocating regulatory regime. You know, it's it's not because of that. It's you know, they've still managed to overcome all of those obstacles to continually um, innovate and bring new solutions out there. So when you when you pull back, you know, it is a continual miracle what our country and what our economic system has produced and continues to produce to this day. And with in light of that, we don't need to you know, completely reinvent the wheel with this. You know, part of what I'm doing trying to be in the public square is really, it's a it's a call back to our origins. You know, we don't need to come up with a completely different system. We just need to remember the foundations of how we got here, what empowered, what enabled us to create such widespread um, prosperity and human flourishing. Uh, and that's really broadly my answer to the specific question that you've asked about, you know, fighting back against ESG, uh, controls of the levers of power, which we're now seeing on both sides of the aisle. It's history has taught us that that's not the path forward to um, broad prosperity. Um, to raising standards of living, um, lifting people out of dire situations. Uh, It's more regulation, more centralization has never been the answer. And that was really the the thrux of uh, Vivek's article a few months ago. You know, he called for, you know, federal regulations on ESG, on disclosure, this. And I, I was really surprised that his take of that is because his, his broader project, you know, is pushing back against uh, woke capitalism, you know, which is really a um, a progressive ideology being forced upon our um, corporate America and our economic system, you know, through unelected bureaucracy, um, political pressure, and he's prescribing more essentially. It's just feeding into that. So I think he was contradicting himself saying this is the path to solve this problem facing us where I would, and I'm, and I'm a huge admirer of Ram Swamy. I'm invested in one of his funds. I, I love many of the things he's done in the public space, maybe not so much recently, but you know, the, the solution to the ills that he's identified is for us to build better solutions, to take up that mantle, to take up that challenge of we need the market to provide solutions to what's afflicting us, not more centralized solutions. And I feel like there's this, you know, there's there's such an attractive um, appeal to the idea that, okay, well, we can just kind of for, rather than having to build up something or, or, or look for parallel institutions, oh, we can just kind of force um, the, these, these traditional actors to do what we want them to do. 
Um, but you really, it's, 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 you know, that, that creates a whole new, a whole new set of, of problems. Now, right. The, 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 ultimately I think a major prob- source for a lot of these problems, right. It's come from, it, it, it all stems from the, the centralization of power. It comes from, um, you know, I think the, the federal reserve kind of fuels this politicalization of the economy, the, the expansion of government has prov- provided all of this. We have the way that higher education kind of creates the, this ideological foundation that is, I think, permeating through um, a lot of the sectors of the economy that end up being the big decision makers and you know, legal, legal fields and, and, and financial fields and things like that. You know, one of the things we focus a, a great deal on, both on, on this show and, and with the, the Mises Institute, is, is the need to build up parallel institutions that we, you know, we have to have, um, you know, we, we, we need to be decentralizing things. We need to be, be building things up rather than continuing or trying to fuel, um, you know, ultimately giving more ammo to the regime that it's at its core, the, the, the driver of a lot of these problems. And I, I think awareness first and foremost is the first way for consumers to respond. And it's fascinating to see just how much, just how normalized these conversations have become. You know, I, I'm, you know, you, you, you talk about BlackRock. You know, several years ago, you know, your average person on the street didn't know what BlackRock is. Now there is kind of an awareness by I think a, a larger percentage of people that BlackRock, you know, has has has, has a very significant influence on things. Like, you know, you know, they 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 have a certain policy agenda. They they invest in various companies. And I, I think the left, you know, one of the reasons we've we've got gotten this situation is that, you know, I remember reading, um, you know, some of the early Bill Gates work on uh, conscious capitalism, and and you know the, the left kind of recognized early on the value that they could have in interjecting their ideas directly into these financial institutions, whereas conservatives, or or, or those you know, can, can, you know, however one labels yourself, kind of on on the on the right side of the spectrum, we've we've always you know, the, the Often that kind of comes with the desire to limit the, ele- the the element that politics has in our lives. You know, conservatives just you know want to be left alone and be able to grill, and yet yeah, that's that's not enough in an environment where you do have in this explicit interwinding between economic institutions and their ideologies. And so I, I, I think this this there's a demand now for these. You know, for financial institutions that reflect the value of a large percentage of the comp- of, of of the population, and that's you know, as, as you pointed out, you know, that there is profit to be had by satisfying you know this you know this 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 higher calling these 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 underlying values in a world that is kind of saturated with a lot of stuff that um, you know that that you know is is the, the regressive elements that are being rejected. Um, you know, and and, and we, we're see, kind of seeing this play out with you know, kind of the, the normalization of various sort of boycotts on on products and things like that. You know, consumers are starting to take a responsibility with their decisions rather than simply asking for you know the, the state. You know, for you know, Mitch McConnell and, and Kevin McCarthy are going to be the solutions we're finding. I, I think I think even most Republicans these days recognize that that's, that's probably not going to play out the way they want it to play out. Yeah, you, you hit on several great points there, though. Um, first of all, awareness is a huge issue because somebody who may desire an alternative to the mainstream options for investing, for their consumer spending, just are not aware of what else is out there. You know, And there are some 
um, brave companies out there doing their best to build alternatives, but it's just so challenging to break through to a wider audience. So somebody who would agree with what you said, they have a responsibility to take some initiative on the round. Like, you know what? I, I, I'm aware of what's going on with that corporation or corporate America broadly, and I'd really like to do something different. Well, take a little time, you know, spend an extra dollar, drive a few more minutes to find a better option. So the in you know, trying to build this endeavor, just um, I was really surprised that the biggest obstacle I've come up against is complacency. You know, this gets into behavioral economics of just once somebody has something set, they really don't have uh, a motivation to change something. So it's it's our responsibility um, to change things. You know, when we all get so upset what's going on with our culture, with our economics, well, we're funding it, how we spend and invest our dollars every day. So we need to be more conscientious of how we're doing that. Uh, now, you just referenced uh, Bill Gates and, you know, conscientious capitalism. And I may agree with his premise there. Of, you know, we can be far more intentional about how we're building our businesses, how we're broadly running our economic system. You know, it, it, I, I, I fully agree that it shouldn't be fully about profit maximization. You know, I reject the stereotype that we're, you know, all of us are profit maximizing beings. You know, we're not homo economicus, um, but it's the divergence comes with, well, what are you um, proposing in addition to, you know, running profitable businesses, which create shareholder value? You know, if you want to add um, an ideology on top of that, what direction is it going? I think that's the problem is that the way it's, veered so strongly in one direction is to have a progressive ideology infiltrate all of our economy. And, you know, the irony is, you know, it's designed to undermine the very uh, system that we've built, you know, this incredible system with all this innovation, with all this prosperity, you know, if we follow through with this um, path, it's going to destroy you know, the, the very system that, that has built this up. So I think we should be free you know, on an individual level, on a business level, to you know, choose to do more with our individual economic choices, with how we're running our businesses, how we're engaged in the community and the public square. Absolutely. But I propose this needs to be a bottom-up, of free to choose proposition, not an enforced ideology, whether that's from um, government and a regulatory standpoint or from you know, a very small minority pushing a progressive ideology onto corporate America uh, in a manner that they would never get uh, through elections and through the ballot box. We are talking with our guests today, uh, Matthew Molman. Uh, we'll continue this conversation on the other side of the break. You're listening to Good Money here on Money Talk 1010. Welcome back to Good Money. I'm your host, Slow Bishop, and this is a product of the Mises Institute. We've got a great deal for Money Talk 1010 listeners. Um, you know, major 
mission of the Mises Institute is to spread economic literacy, and I think it's one of those things that uh, students really need to have. Uh, we've got two great books that are great for if you have a student in high school, maybe going through college, or for yourself wanting to know more about uh, proper economics. Uh, these two books are a great starting point. One is How to Think About the Economy by Oklahoma State Professor Dr. Pera Bylan. It's a great primer on economic reasoning. And the other one is a classic, What Has Government Done to Our Money by Murray Rothbard. Both of these books can be delivered directly to your doorstep for just $5, two for five, and you can use promo code GOODMONEY at checkout. Uh, shipping and handling is included. You can get this deal at Mises.org slash good, as in good money. And promo code GOODMONEY at checkout. Shipping and handling is included. Two books, $5. Our guest today is Matthew Molman of uh, Monument Ventures. Uh, you can find more information about uh, Monument Ventures at their website, monument.ventures. Nice and simple. And, and Matthew, uh, you're one of, the, uh, one, one of the founders of the Mises Institute was the great economist F.A. Hayek. And um, one of the things I always find interesting and, and depressing in some ways is that obviously his great book, The Road to Serfdom, was a very popular read um, in the 1940s, 1950s in America, helped shape the kind of anti-New Deal uh, pushback to the FDR agenda. And the most fascinating thing is that one of the more popular, one of the ways that most people actually read it, it was less the book, um, but it was a little cartoon simplified handout um, that was produced by General Motors. And at the time, you had a lot of corporate America supporting free market ideas, supporting economists like F.A. Hayek and Louis von Mises, our namesake. And of course, you're thinking about that in today's world. It, it just seems crazy. Um, you know, there's there there is you know the, the, the a lot of these major financial institutions seem explicitly hostile to the very sort of economic system that allowed them to be successful in the per first place. Um, and of course, the ideological battle within these institutions is not limited purely to economics. You have an article uh, on uh, J.P. Morgan and some other discriminatory policies on banking. Um, particularly with organizations of faith. And you know, one of the things that I've come to appreciate is how so much of the power the the activist left has is that there's a, this dynamic where like their war feeds the war, right? The, the more political success they have, they end up doling, you know, they're they're you know, they're it results in their big benefactors getting richer and richer. I think the green energy movement is a great example of that. You push for various green policies. It rewards certain aspects of the economy whose people are, are disproportionately, you know, politically aligned with, you know, the, the, the left. And so like their political gains just kind of keep enriching that class and then kind of creates kind of self-perpetuation in that. Um, whereas in the right, while obviously there's been a role in the past where, where tax cuts have certainly benefited certain, you know, which are a good thing generally for the economy, like that's kind of been where the, the right has, has helped its um, typical donor class in the past. And even you know, like the, the next generation of Koch brothers um, seem to be increasingly on the left in many sides of things. And so one of the things I'm, I'm interested in learning more about, um, about Monument is you know, when, when, when you are talking about bringing real options for investors that are concerned about this kind of woke capital dynamic, um, what sort of investments are you looking at? You know, how much is the value 
um, your, 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 your vowel framing, you know, how much of it is part of kind of a broader mission and how much of that also applies to the sort of investments that you are looking at in terms of, you know, what sort of, you know, the, the, the projects and the, the output of which um, kind of contributes to a, a freer society. Yeah. Uh, first of all, your reference to F.A. Hayek, his writing is foundational for my thinking. I just think his uh, such astute observations on the knowledge problem is undeniable. And I think that is applicable you know, at a governmental level, but also uh, in a, at a business level within a corporation. You, know, you need to apply the exact same principles for uh, sustainable business, you know, trusting the person at the most immediate level to solve those issues. And that ties into, you know, our earlier observations of we need to not, you know, look to more centralized solutions to address our problems. You know, we need to look to ourselves, you know, through the uh, open market to address them. Uh, To answer your question it's uh, it can't get too um specific on this investment versus right 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 that investment but really it's more of a broad movement to you know let's look at how we're investing our dollars today you know with some of these very large players in the market you know they're pushing a progressive ideology which most investors in this country do not agree with you know so it's it's an issue of awareness again of you know waking up to that fact, but then where do you turn? That's the real gap that I've recognized, which I'm trying to address by building uh, this enterprise, is that we, we've got to build different solutions there. So somebody who wakes up and says, I want to do something different and looks around, and it's kind of an empty landscape. You know, there's a, there's a few courageous players out there trying to do some some better things, but it's really, we've got to build from the ground up different options today. So there are you know, independent advisors out there versus the big Wall Street players who I think are doing a great job. You know, there's um, some different investment strategies out there, which they're doing their best to avoid uh, the undesirable politics infiltrating the investment world. There's no perfect solution today. So just part of what I'm doing is like, let's do the best that we can today uh, to to kind of redirect what you're doing with your dollars to some um, better partners uh, in the uh, investment space with an aim towards building something larger in the future. You know, let's build solid foundations. You know, let's not, you know, follow the, the classic model of you know raising capital and shooting the moon and, and trying to get to a buyout or IPO as fast as possible before we burn through all your cash. Um, my, my challenge to somebody who would agree with us is, you know, you need to create, you don't just need to be different from the dominant ideology. We need to create better solutions. You need to create actual value more than just we're not like them. So give us your money, you know, there's plenty of that out there. I just think we we can't just, you know, try to be the, the mirror of what's available. We need to do better. We need to create uh, new categories beyond the existing limitations. 
Absolutely. And uh, it, you, I always kind of roll my eyes. And every time you have, you know, some sort of big social media driven controversy, like you have all these, you know, like when, when Hershey was having some, you know, ridiculous woke packaging, right? You have the, the Daily Wire crew that comes up and creates conservative candy bars or you know, like conservative beer, um, you know, kind of gimmick brands kind of in response to the Dylan Mulvaney situation and, and Bud Light's uh, whole, whole, <laughs> whole situation there. And it's like, you know, it's 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 amusing. Ultimately, it's 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 basically a political grift, though. It's it's very superficial. It's you know it's fine, whatever. I mean, you know, nothing. You know, I'm, I'm all all in favor of, of boycotting you know Bud Light over, over that stuff. But you know, do do we really need a conservative crappy beer to combat the the Bud Light crappy beer? I I, I don't know if that how much value that's really producing out there besides kind of owning the libs. Um, and it kind of reminds me of you know some of the the. The, the stuff that Peter Thiel talks about where kind of the, the ambitions that America used to have, you know, going to the moon and kind of these, these big moonshot, you know, very visionary products, you know, we, we were promised flying cars and instead we got, you know, 240 characters on Twitter, I guess now X. Um, and, and, and I, I think you're trying to rekindle that ambition that used to be kind of baked into the American DNA. It was kind of the cornerstone of American greatness um, you know, in, in a very you know, kind of demoralized society, particularly with younger generations, I, th I think that's one of the great challenges we face, you know, not only as a nation, but really as a civilization. Yeah, you referenced earlier, it's just kind of it's reinforcing on the left. And I just I see a very vicious cycle that's going on there. You know, the 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 business, you know, feeds into the politics, which feeds into the culture. And they're very good about being uh, mutually reinforcing and having the dollars all support each other there. So I suppose just we need to um, reinvigorate you know, the same vision on our side, you know, make it a, a much more virtuous cycle and make it much more mutually beneficial. So you know, this, this, is, this is my world. This is what I know is financial services. So, you know, I've, I've, I'm in the public space with something which I believe of as value, but I want it to be more than that. You know, I want it to be a movement of, of many companies, you know, who, sh who are like-minded, who can share the vision. And we don't want them just to be on an island. I keep on thinking about the would-be entrepreneur out there who's in a corporation. He would leave but for everything, you know, but for, you know, he, he's afraid of getting canceled. You know, he's, you know, out, he's an outspoken conservative or Christian. I go, well, how will I get support? How could I ever get funding? I see what's going on in the financial world and, you know, they're, they're canceling this and, you know, I'll, I'll never make it. Uh, creating um, support, a structure, resources, a system for those to, you know, to bring their vision into reality. You know, and there's different platforms out there which are trying to make that happen. You know, I think, you know, Public Square and Red Balloon um, are doing Yeoman's work. But again, it just needs to be much bigger. You know, you just reference, you know, making, you know, the conservative version of something. I'm not saying keep doing it. It's it's great, but we need bigger solutions for that. And just I'm I'm looking at where the real money is. You know, that's in banking, that's in asset management, that's in the investment world. So our our culture, our politics, our economy 
is not going to really start to change until we, until we really start to move that needle. You know, and that's my project with this is how do we start to, to really drive real dollars you know, away from um, this vicious cycle of a progressive ideology into one which is much more um, fundamentally based in our basic principles. It, it, where, where else can, uh, can people find more of your work? Uh, you can come to either of our websites, monument.ventures, uh, and the uh, other one is monumentlegacy.com. Um, uh, you can contact me from there. You know, if people are looking for better options. We're, we're, we're facing a hard break. Thank you, for, for, thank you for coming on. Welcome back to Good Money for the final segment here. Um, as Matthew mentioned, hope everyone is faring well after the storm the hurricane this week um thankfully uh it does seem that there is some um easing out there with uh all, all of the the housing insurance problems that you know every floridian is very very aware of um you know throughout the state um i saw an article Earlier this morning on Newsweek, um, talking about how there are more companies moving into the state of Florida, um, you know, trying to grow the the marketplace there after several insurers have backed out, um, providing more options and opportunities for Floridians, and um, you know, ho- hopefully. That will lead to a, at the very least, a, a slowdown of the of uh, the, the rising insurance prices. Maybe eventually, um, even a decrease. Uh, but you know, it, it is, you know, in many ways, Florida has is is being a victim right now of some of of its greatest assets. Um, you know, the the coastline and, and the beautiful nature that attracts so many of us here to this great state um and like that comes with the risk of hurricanes and storms um the political environment that florida has enjoyed the last several years has created this migration issue um you know in, in much the same way that we think about immigration in a, a national context of people fleeing to areas of opportunity, escaping, you know, socialist hellholes and other parts of the world and trying to escape for a better life. Florida has seen that same dynamic with Californians and the New Yorkers and other blue state uh, you know, refugees kept coming in. In that environment of, of increased demand, driven as much by politics rather than natural population growth, um, you know, it, it's, it's created, you know, the, the, these are real shocks to the system. And ultimately, I think one of the greatest crises that we have, and there are no simple solutions to this, is a dynamic where younger generations, you know, people in their 20s, um, the ability to 
own a house, to have that sense of security is becoming harder and harder to achieve. Not simply in Florida, this is, this is a national issue, and there's varieties of, of interventions from the housing market um, that has created this dynamic. And again, this kind of goes back to the Mitch McConnell dynamic, is that when you have a geriatric-controlled society, you end up having policies that benefit older generations at the expense of newer generations. But if we are concerned about a free society, about a healthy civilization, younger generations not being able to take those important steps forward towards true maturity, um, you know, the, the cultural dynamic of a generation that is not married and is not having kids, the way that that has impacts in the way that we view the future that we have, you know, that, that, that we, we govern ourselves individually, thinking about things bigger than us. You know, we have very much for all the other variety of crises that we have in this country, concerns over the economy and the policies thereof, global tensions abroad, um, you know, absurdity and governing bodies and the like, there is a deeper, I think, spiritual crisis, a crisis of meaning for younger people. And the economic side of things makes that no easier to deal with. And of course, as Mr. Molman identified and discussed during his segments, the mistake is to think that there is this is simply a question of political will that there's a, a silver bullet that a politician can do there's some some magic law that will work as a magic wand and solve all these problems you know these ultimately um they have to be dealt with at, at all levels we have to be working to make our communities stronger um you know we need to find that heroic sense of self-purpose at the individual level. And moments like storms, for all the horror that comes with them, often they are moments where communities do come together, where they assist and help provide a, a hand to their fellow man. And I think it's an example of Floridian excellence um, to see that play out. So our thoughts and prayers are with our friends in the Big Bend area. That is our show today. This is Good Money. We'll see you next Thursday here at the same time, same place. You can find more content like this at Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org.